Welcome to The Music That Makes Us, a podcast of music and musicians that help shape and form various stages of our musical lives. From early childhood to early adulthood to now, we aren't professionals, but just fans of music and how it affects our lives. So sit back and put on your headphones and take a trip back or maybe forward on this musical journey. I'm Donnie Z. And I'm Randy T, ready to take you back to the music that makes us. For today's episode, we will be looking at the mid-1980s sensation in excess and how their music came to be in our lives. here with episode two of the music that makes us uh i'm randy toms i'm donnie zelaya and today we are going to uh look at the group in excess and we want to thank you to all those who've taken the time to listen to our first podcast on billy joel and follow us on social media pages like facebook and instagram and commenting and all that we we really enjoy it and um, we enjoy your comments and it's been fun if you have any ideas for future episodes, let us know at hashtag the music that makes us. Part of the uh, joy, I guess you could say, of the, pro- the uh, podcast too is to interact with people. So please uh, leave comments. You know, don't feel shy or be shy, and you know we'll try and get back to you. We're not lording over it all the time and whatever, but we'll definitely respond sooner or later. So please, we want to try and make this as interactive as possible with anybody who might be listening. So again, thanks for listening and we hope you uh, enjoy this next one. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of cool that we started last time on our earliest memory of who we were talking about. And I think we should start there today or probably our earliest memory of um, each of the group in in excess. And um, I just, when I think back, probably my earliest memory is probably being in seventh grade um, when uh, What You Need came out on uh, Listen Like Thieves. And um, it was just a a song that caught my attention. I love the song from the first time I heard it. And, um, and you know, I think this that beginning just it's something that just grabs you and take and takes you in. Oh, absolutely! That guitar riff at the beginning with a little strumming and everything, and then you know just quiet, and then kind of does it again, and then ties you in. It's the same thing for me. It was junior high. Um, I just remember hearing this band and then seeing a little video for it, and then just little drawing whatnot guy moving and sl- sliding across the screen, and then just the the name of the band like what kind of name is that and just kind of thought that was really cool and it just kind of hooked me in right away and you know it's one of those where you can't get enough of it and you're just constantly like ooh, and then trying to save up enough money to go buy the tape or cd and you know see what else they've got going on so you know we have these early memories and you know i like to go back a little bit in the early years um <clears throat> about you know the, the band of the musician we're talking about and you know if we go all the way back to the early years you know you'd have to understand that uh this band was pretty much created by three brothers the ferris brothers and you know uh, michael hutchins came along and joined the band when they were called dr dolphin and they're out of australia you know and they had other crazy names and the ferris brothers wasn't bad it almost sounded like a country band but then you know um they had the, the vegetables oh, as a name. <laughs> Pretty forgetful name. So, you know, when you're starting a band, obviously you want to have something that's going to stick in people's minds. And, you know, Dr. Dolphin, yeah, but kind of more for its absurdity more than anything else. And definitely the vegetables. What? <laughs> it's That doesn't make sense at all. And, you know, just calling your name after people in the band, the Ferris Brothers, is 
it's one thing if it's like the Jonas Brothers and you're mm-hmm. all Jonas Brothers, but when it's just a handful of people, it doesn't seem to make too much sense. So thankfully, they finished. You know, they found a name that you know everyone could agree upon, yeah. and you know, definitely influenced by some of the other bands of uh, that time period as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, in '78, they were touring with uh, Midnight Oil. And um, actually, one of the crew from Minai Oil suggested they switch their name to NXS, you know, trying to get um, trying to be inspired from the English band uh, Ecstasy, you know, and uh, it's it's interesting that they, you know, they're like, hey, it sounds pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. And they, they went along with it. Um, believe it or not, their manager um, at the time thought they might sound do better as a Christian rock band. <laughs> So uh, I thought that was an interesting thing to read about them is, you know, eh, you, you know, let's let's try this Christian rock. But they didn't go for it. Yeah. Again, it's just when you do this research on all these bands, it's kind of bizarre to see all the early suggestions that people have as far as what people should mm-hmm. do or what direction they should go. And thankfully, you know, most of these artists have enough backbone and confidence in themselves to say, no, I think I, we like the path we're on. We're going to stick with what we know mm-hmm. and we're going to develop the sound that we have and not go that route. Right. So, and by 79, you know, they did get a five record deal with deluxe records and, um, but they definitely paid their dues playing the live gigs, you know, during the early evening hours and in, into the late hours. But they would, you know, take be, be done with a live gig and they would move on to the recording studio because the times were cheaper from the midnight hour to dawn. So they would do a lot of their recording then. By 81, they were doing over 300 shows a year and making a name, name for themselves as a live act. Um, and at the time, they were considered uh, new wave music. Yeah, they definitely fit into that new wave category. You know, they're not quite poppy. They're definitely not uh, alternative or early or 80s alternative or new wave. I mean, I guess they're more new wave than that. So they, you know, they, they had their own little classification. That was another reason their sound is definitely unique, especially the earlier sounds. Um, so it kind of that's another thing that stuck out. It's not guitar dominated. It's not drum related. It kind of all balances out so evenly and smoothly that there's not one instrument that kind of pops over the other. I, I would agree. Okay, so, you know, their first substantial success um, was a 1982 album called Shabu Shabba in, uh, with the song The One Thing. It actually became their first top 40 hit in the U.S., and they actually started getting on full rotation on a young music channel called MTV. Nice, and, uh, you know, we're of the age that we were right in that wheelhouse of the MTV era when it first started, and... Not necessarily we're glued to the TV all the time, but it was definitely something that was always on, whether we were home or in our college dorm rooms or fraternity rooms or whatever it is. And you just kind of always had music playing in the background and NXS was definitely mm-hmm. part of that. And so was the one thing. Did you ever see the video? Uh, probably, but it was so uneventful or unmemorable like many 80s videos. So I looked it up this week knowing we were doing <laughs> doing this episode and um, I'll tell you, low budget, definitely low budget. 
cheesy as I'll get out and don't understand it. They're sitting around a big group of them and men and women sit, sitting around a, a dining room table with a big spread in front of them and they start tearing in the food and they're, they're zooming in on the broken chicken and there's two cats walking around the table and it's just a really cheesy low budget. It's almost like they're trying to make themselves memorable by having a bizarre video. So people are just be like, hey, did you see that weird video by NXS? Like, huh? No. Yeah, you got to go check it out. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, just a state series of how many people can outweird each other on their video, yeah. in their videos. And, and they did have some creative shots with, you know, kind of focusing on in on the sax player with a white background, kind of rolling around, a, a you know, the floor, you know, completely white background. And there were some cool shots, but it was it was uh, way low budget. Yeah. But, you know, what do you expect from a beginning band yeah. or up and coming band? But still, you know, it's kind of got their people's attention and it definitely was a hit. It definitely and, did get people's attention. You know, by 83, they, they, they made their first uh, U.S. performance in, in San Diego. To a whopping 24 people. <laughs> so even the biggest of the bands start somewhere and have humble experiences and humble beginnings, you know, and just kind of thinking back and realizing that, you know, very, very few artists uh, had just jump right in from the get-go and just have tens of thousands of people they perform in front of. So, you know, just hearing these stories is just another reminder of, oh yeah, they're all little people at one point or another. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. You know, how cool would it be to be one of those 24 people to say, you know, I saw them. I was one of those 24 people back in the day in San Diego. Yeah. And it's probably like a $5 cover charge at a local bar or something. And you just happen to be in town for like, Hey, all right. You know, you never know. I mean, we, we, you and I, and a few of our other friends, yeah. Kurt and Jeff and you know we we make trips down to uh, and Bob we make trips down to the hi-fi for these smaller groups you know we're paying $20 covers and we're like you know like they could be the next big thing you never know and it's kind of cool to say I was there yeah and usually it's like a Tuesday or Wednesday night and we kind of have to question like are are we really going to do this because you know $20 $20 is nothing to say kind of walk away from, but like, yeah, okay. But <laughs> yeah. usually by the end of the night when we're done, we're, we feel good about our choice right. and our decision. It's, so. And if you can't go, it's kind of like, you know, it's $20. I just don't have the energy. So yeah. So, but you know, it's still, that's again, part of the whole music process and the, just the memory builders mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, well, they definitely weren't playing for 24 people for long because, you know, before you know it, they're, they're supporting groups like Adam and the Ants, the Stray Cats, the Kinks, Hall and Oates, and the Go-Go's. You know, they're going on, you know, supporting them and, and warming up. And even Queen for a short period of time as well. Yeah, so they, it's just very cool to see all these established bands right. and how they're willing to take on these mm-hmm. upstarts and people that they believe have uh, value that right. they can, you know, expose them to a new audience and whatnot. And NXS was definitely beneficiary of some people's generosity. Yeah, I was um, doing uh, some some research this week, and I came across a, um, a book, and I would suggest reading it. Um, it's called "The Great Story of NXS: Story to Story," the official autobiography. And they really did a great job giving some behind the scenes uh, um, stories of you know w- with Queen and and Freddie Mercury and um, Belinda Carlisle and the goes and you know it was a really cool read um just what i read of it and it kind of made me want to go and buy the full book um and so i would highly suggest uh getting that and it does allude to some messing around between belinda carlisle and michael hutchins of course um well yeah you know they're both 
good looking people and that's what the music industry at that time was kind of built around you know if you had a great voice that's one thing but if you were attractive on top of that that was what most of the record companies went for mm-hmm. so you want to have that lead singer be the face in more ways than one and those two definitely fit that bill oh yeah definitely so you know we're moving on and they're getting big and they we get to 85 and they start this album called The Swing and it shifted from a new wave sound to more of a funk rock sound. And it, it's interesting to see that who had a hand in one of those songs and the funkiest guy himself, I think, producing, Nile, Nile Rodgers. And if you know anything about Nile Rodgers, um, he's got he's got his finger on the pulse on anything that's a hit, pretty much, from Diana Ross to Duran Duran to NXS to Daft Punk to David Bowie. I mean, this guy um, is in a major music producer. And if you ever get a chance to... Uh, do some research. Um, I would definitely um, look up Nile Rogers because he has his hand in, in quite a bit, even today. He helped them produce the song Original Sin, and uh, on that song, they actually did bring in one of the one of the one of the bands they used to support. They brought in Daryl Hall to sing a background in the chorus um, um, for that song um, to add add some add some sound, which was a pretty cool uh, idea by Nile Rodgers. Um, a couple other other songs I really think uh, stand out on that album are "Melting the Sun." Um, just absolutely love that one as well. Um, it's a fun one to, to watch. And uh, the, actually, the song "The Swing." Um, I love the beginning of the song. Um, it, it really gives a tribal feel as you listen to the album. Yeah, you can definitely see some just more experimentation early on. Them trying to find their sound and what they want to just be known for what they want to hit the scene with more than anything. And Nile Rogers is the man throughout the time period, the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and whatnot. I think he and Rick Rubin are the two guys that anybody who follows music in any way would associate as the producers extraordinaire, you know, Butch Vig is in there as well, you know, and obviously there's more and more that we're mm-hmm. leaving out, but still just for that specific rock sound or funk sound or jazz sound, you know, you want to get a now Rogers in there to kind of help enhance mm-hmm. that feel. You know, I absolutely love, um, the drum in Original Sin, um, the John Ferris, but it's a great mix with the sax as well in that uh, in that video. Um, just just um, love the, the song over and over. I mean, the, the video, again, is a little still on the cheesy side, uh, but a little cooler. Um, from what I understand, it was filmed at a carnival as they were closing up outside of the carnival so again you know they're saving money but it was a it's a it's a great video I, and I go ahead no that's see that's something you mentioned the drums and the sax and just you know listening to the stuff again this week um i put it on the headphones sometimes i listen to it out loud but then earlier today i put on my headphones and listen to some and the drums and the sax and the synthesizer just pop more than anything it just is so clear and so focused like wow this is so much better with headphones on yeah that i couldn't believe just the quality and clearness that rung through so it was just one and that and then these are later albums so i can imagine what it's like early on as well speaking of the synthesizer you know um they, supposedly they they got the first Yamaha DX7 synthesizer that was produced out of Japan um, out of all of them you know they, they this this 
from what I understand, this synthesizer, you know, is what made the eighties and they supposedly got the first one. And, um, the second one went to a little group called Duran Duran. So, (laughs) so, uh, I found that interesting. And also, you know, I also found out that, uh, NXS were one of the, were the first to use them. Many, uh, music production studio called an, um, I, I might pronounce it wrong. The Akai MPC 60. Um, and this is the machine that makes hip hop possible with the sampling and sampling an art form. Ah, very yeah. interesting. And it's kind of funny cause I'm sure you, I'm positive that these musicians all were like, well, what kind of synthesizer are they using? Well, that's what I want to use. Well, right. That's what I want. And it's just back and forth as far as microphones, guitars. And in some cases it's what they, what the artist actually likes and what they feel, but they look to the others and some of the people that are at the top during that time and like, well, if they're going to use that, then I want to use that. Right. So that's almost like, well, I want to try and not recreate their sound, but get the best that I can to they, try and. They and, say that rap artists won't even go in a studio if they don't have that MPC 60. Um, they won't even go in. That's interesting. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, I, yeah, I just bought the swing today, actually. I listened to a few of the songs um, on YouTube and, you know, I, I was shopping for records with my daughter today down at Indie CD and Vinyl, which what, is. What? Yeah, we love Indie CD and Vinyl. They, they are awesome. And uh, we were down there shopping, you know, and uh, with our masks on and gloves on. And, you know, I, I was digging and, you know, ran across the swing. I'm like, it's perfect. It was 10 bucks. Perfect. So uh, I I got that on vinyl and was listening to it. Broad Ripple. If you're in Broad Ripple, stop stop in. Yep. NDC and vinyl. Love them. So, you know, by the mid 80s, 85, you know, the band comes out with. uh, what I think is a monster album, Listen Like Thieves. And the the, the band brought in uh, producer Chris Thomas to help with this production and mixing of the album. And, you know, what's interesting about Chris Thomas is uh, he actually cut his teeth. He, he helped uh, with uh, produce the the Beatles' uh, White Album. And uh, he actually helped mix uh, Dark Side of the Moon with Pink Floyd. And there's a couple other bands that he, he's, he had experience with that, you know, he, that led to him coming and helping with this album. And you can tell that they definitely thought the band thought they had something on their hands if they're going to bring in somebody of the stature of Chris Thomas who has experience with you know, helping produce these monster albums of the past, like you had said, and this is their very first, this is a monster album. This is my introduction to NXS. This is many people's introduction to NXS. And this is what we always go back to when we think of is listen, when we hear the name NXS is listen like thieves. And just from the get go, it's hit after hit after hit. Even the ones that weren't released as singles, there's still catchy songs mm-hmm. you sing along to and you can definitely tell the production value was ramped up big time on this one. Oh yeah and, and what's interesting is um, Chris Thomas um, they had 10 songs done <laughs> he still didn't feel like they had a hit and they had he told them the night before the last day of recording you're like y- you guys need to you need to bring something in tomorrow and uh, so they had been they've had this demo of a, a song called Funk Song Number 13 that's what they called it Funk Song Number 13 and um they brought it in and, and he liked what he heard and that song got a new title and that new title was What You Need. 
And that was definitely the song that launched their career that got them worldwide recognition. Oh, oh yeah, especially with a positive um, article by Rolling Stone. I mean, uh, it, what's funny is it was dismissed in the UK. I mean, the album was dismissed in the UK, but in Rolling Stone, you know, they, they give it a good thumbs up. I mean, you know, the US is going to. Oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna eat it up because so many people subscribe to the magazine. I know I did for a long time. And you mm-hmm. guys, one of the first things I did was look to the record reviews. And then, you know, now you have the opportunity to kind of look up something online and listen to some music the band had put out before. But back then, you just kind of had to go on the advice of these experts um, or critics and, you know, kind of go to the music or the record store and plop down your money and mm-hmm. hope that they're right. And well, so, you would go to the record, the guy in the record store, girl in the record store and say, <laughs> they'd give you a review. Yeah, you might go with them. That's true. You that's know, true. I, what I, I love the, the song This Time on um, on this album and uh, I feel like during this album and during this phase uh, Michael Hutchins was kind of getting a, um, a Jim Morrison vibe oh yeah um, as a front man and becoming more comfortable as a front man and and it, it definitely shows um, in that video this time yeah I mean that's one of the ones that I can just I played it and I haven't listened to this song this album necessarily in a long time but you put it on and it's just all the lyrics come rushing mm-hmm. right back to you you know I was listening to it in the car the other day and was with my daughter and I just start singing along and drumming to the beat and everything and she's looking at me like what are you doing and <laughs> you know but just you know lip syncing because obviously my music my singing voice isn't as great as it used to be but uh you know, it's just it's I love everything about this this album you know obviously something like what you need is right at the top but I love this time I love kiss the dirt you know, same direction, you know, even the one, the ones that aren't the hits are the ones that I kind of come back to more than anything else. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree with most of them. There's a couple songs that I, I could skip. Um, oh yeah. Uh, biting bullets and, um, the, the, Three sisters, I could probably skip, but everything else on there, yeah, the, solid. The, the instrumental one, I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. I remember just waiting the first time, going, "When are they gonna start singing?" Yep. And it's just bop, bow, I just whatever over and over again. Yep. I'm like, uh, okay, so now I just kind of fast forward through, and, but and I felt like the whole the whole album, um, there's a cohesiveness on the album that shines through all all the talents in the band yeah. on every instrument. Oh, absolutely, you know, and I uh, I want to talk a little bit about John Ferris and. You know his drumming, and uh, I I I went to um, top one hundred drummers. I think it was, I don't know what you know who was doing it. I think it might have been Rolling Stones top one hundred drummers. And you know I was going through and I was you know thinking I'm going to find this guy's name, and I know there's a lot of great drummers out there, and um, I just I don't know if the beat's coming from a machine or if it's coming from him himself or. Um, but I'll tell you what, the, the, the drumming on that album, I, I real, especially in uh, what you need, uh, is phenomenal in, in my opinion. Oh, uh, and, you know, I'm 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 a nobody, but it gets my attention, you know. Exactly, and that's the part of listening to it with headphones on that you can definitely hear it stand out more than anything else. Like I said, I was doing that earlier today, and it just kind of blew me away with the clearness and just v- vivacity of the the drum and how it just echoed through I'm like wow just kind of stopped for a second or two and just went huh that's 
Pretty good. So anything that kind of stops and gets your attention, whether it's a lyric, whether it's a, Mm -hmm. you know, a bass thump, a guitar chord riff or a little solo or something. But even then, you know, but it is, it's this complimentary element that they have that Mm -hmm. just makes the band so good. It's not someone just dominating another. You're not trying to, you don't have a drummer who's trying to outdo a guitarist, who's trying to outdo a keyboardist, who's trying to outdo the lead singer. Mm -hmm. It's everybody working in unison together and it just produces such a great sound. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's funny, we were in seventh grade when when this came out and you know to think you know I think as a seventh grader you're trying to fit in you're trying to you know you're trying to find where you are and you know you, you for years you know you've been listening to the pop radio and, yep. you know, and the Michael Jackson and, yeah you know and all of a sudden you're in seventh grade and you're trying to figure oh, what makes me cool mm-hmm. maybe maybe I need to get a little edgier and you know this this album comes out it's like yeah what's gonna get me noticed what, what's gonna get girls get, yeah what's gonna get me noticed in, in this album man it's just it's you know if you like this album you were you were you were on the edge and you know you were cool and it was kind of funny because i wrote we used to have to you know we were old enough to where we had textbooks and you had to do book covers and majority of our book covers were old paper sacks from the grocery store (laughs) that we made at home and then you had this clear vinyl thing that you put on top of it to kind of help protect it but before you did that you could put on stickers or drawings or pictures and I there was that year where I put on the names of different bands Mm -hmm. that I liked or I thought were cool or would kind of get noticed and that was the year that I put NXS down and there were a couple of seventh grade ladies who were like, oh, you like NXS? I'm like, yeah, I do. Do you? So it, it definitely wore, yeah. and it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm the edgy guy because I like NXS yeah. because the majority of my friends liked it too. So favorite song on the album? Uh, I love Kiss the Dirt. I, I, I do love, too. Kiss the Dirt and this time are probably my tie. It's like, you, how do you have a favorite? You know, yeah. they're, they're definitely like top threes, but, um, kiss the dirt and this time, you know, I'm probably leaning more towards kiss the dirt just because, uh, I don't know what it is. It's just when that guitar riff kicks in, in the middle and the drum and whatever, you know, I just always find myself air drumming and mm-hmm. just slapping my hand and throwing my head back and singing the chorus at that time. And, you know, but this time. This time is also pretty clutch. It's pretty solid. Yeah. You know, about an argument that, you know, this is going to be the last time, you know, this is the last argument with hope that, you know, there won't be another one. Well, and then that's the part of this album, too, is I look through some of the lyrics and they are hopeful and they're optimistic. And that's why like Kiss the Dirt, it talks about, you know, we have these seeds of doubt and then you sow them with your tears. And it's like, no, don't do that. You know, don't doubt yourself. And then seeds of lust and seeds of love. And Mm -hmm. it's just all these cycles that we go through in life. And as artists, it's that self-doubt. Well, don't doubt yourself. You know, you'll you'll do all right. This is your up and coming. You know, you're you're still building. Mm -hmm. You know, very few people are good at what they do right out of the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, right away, it's like, oh my God, I'm horrible at this job, so I need to quit, or I'm horrible at whatever I'm doing, so I need to quit. No, you need to keep trying until you get to a certain 
year or whatnot, but it's like, you know, eventually you'll be able to determine, am I really good at this? Right. But if you care, you'll practice and you'll put in the time and energy and effort to be good at what you do. Mm-hmm. And it definitely shows in this and they're just kind of, that's their message. They're kind of sending out to everybody in general. And it just, you know, it resonates then and resonates now. Yeah. So they have this monster album and, you know, and so they go on tour and they, they promote it from 85 and 86 and they're touring the U.S., the U.K., Australia. So after, you know, the tour, they decide to take a break and do some side projects. You know, the Ferris Brothers kind of do their own thing for a little while. And uh, they also get involved with a Dogs in Space movie, Michael Hutchins does. And, you know, they actually do some of the music for it and he actually does some acting in it. And um, so that was a great experience. And then it leads them to another movie experience with a, a little movie called The Lost Boys and they ended up doing a, a, a soundtrack for, uh, the first song for uh, the soundtrack which is Good Times and uh, they, they did it as a favor to the director in return for an, another favor later after they did the song uh, Good Times. Good Times is my favorite by far. It's definitely a song that I can put on and, you know, definitely I call it my driving song or a song, you, you know, you're, you're in the car and you hear it and you just turn it up and you're just like, yes, you do a little fist bump, windows go down, foot goes down the accelerator and you just are, yeah, you're feeling the vibe of the song and definitely Good Times is one of those 100% because Lost Boys is a favorite in our house so we have it on as much as we can or it's one of those rewatchable movies over and over and over and over and over again and then you know part of that is the Good Times theme song well you know i we're going to talk driving songs i i got to go with you know their last album um same direction um same direction uh, i th- that album i put that on i put that song on and i kind of feel like i'm rocky in my in, in my in my lamborghini you know stressed out i better i better go and you know get my no easy way out but it's same direction you got your video montage going through your head of <laughs> different events that are <laughs> yeah. just just occurred that you're processing and trying to figure out what to do <laughs> and, it, and it is and it's it's the same thing idea of it just gives you a feel you know mm-hmm. the driving song is a feel that you have have a vibe that you get Mm -hmm. and it just makes you just let loose and not necessarily forget but just kind of enjoy the moment you're focused you're not worried about anything else you're definitely not looking at your phone or you know you're you're paying attention to the road of course but still just enjoying the the lyrics the, the guitar the whatever of the song that just amps you up and you know for me good times is definitely that song for actually that they're actually doing a cover on that song uh and then old 60s group from 68 they called the easy beats yeah and i didn't realize that yeah yeah and he actually has a a guest vocalist steve marriott um, from small faces singing that song with him which well, is interesting which is why so many people don't realize that's in excess because they share the vocal responsibilities and there's a couple times where he belts out his uh, lines a little bit louder and longer than uh, Michael Hutchins does so you kind of get confused and especially at that time where you weren't quite sure like is this an NXS song yeah. or is it not so unless you've seen the video you're not going to know because it wasn't on or like any... that's a soundtrack for Lost Boys exactly because <laughs> it wasn't on an NXS record right. or any kind or album of any kind so you you know if you're not watching mm-hmm. or getting in it you know and very few people got soundtracks back then it was very few and far between yeah. unless it was something like Top Gun 
that had uh, some killer songs on it that yeah. you're like, oh, over and over. And while Lost Boys is a good movie, the soundtrack isn't necessarily something that kind of connected with people. Well, they did make a, a deal with the director that, you know, they'd come in for the couple days and, and do the song and do the video for the, the soundtrack for Lost Boys. And in return, he would have to help out with the video for them. And if you ever watch The Devil Inside, that, that's the video the director helped uh, create for NXS. And it, it definitely gives you a, a Lost Boys feel oh, yeah. as you watch that video. It's definitely a vibe. And it's actually Joel Schumacher who uh, passed away at, I think he's 70 years old, but within the last couple days from uh, cancer. So uh, high profile director, tons of hits, tons of memorable movies of our era. But, you know, Lost Boys was definitely at the top of that list. came 1987 and the album kick this is the album you've all probably been waiting for because on our social media site we gave you a choice between listen like thieves and kick and kick overwhelmingly uh beat out listen like thieves sorry dave my buddy dave from high school who thought that kick was garbage in uh most people's minds it it meant more than garbage It, it was a lot Kick definitely was the one that uh, propelled NXS into the stratosphere as far as exposure to everybody. You know, it got five, what, five top ten hits on Billboard records and just the same with videos Mm -hmm. and lots of different accolades. Swept all five MTV video awards. And that was definitely probably their peak earning uh, years as well. Definitely. from, From touring, from album sales, from everything on top of that and that was definitely due in part to kick and it's kind of ironic because of what we figured out about kick that we'll kind of share a little bit later on but it definitely is captivating and while i was all listen like thieves forever and ever and ever i listened again to kick this morning and i had to come to the recollect like, you know just the the humble admittance that Kick is pretty good. Kick is really, really good. It is. And, you know, they, they. I think they were finding their groove during this time. They kept Chris Thomas at the controls as the producer for this album, <clears throat> which was a good decision. Um, and, and just the the riff for Need You Tonight, um, interesting that uh, Andrew Ferris um, was, was actually getting a cab to go to the airport to fly to Hong Kong to meet Michael Hutchins to finish some songs on, on the album. And it, that, that riff uh, came into his into his head and he ran up into his apartment and um, recorded the demo real quick, I guess quick, and had the cab wait for him and then flew to Hong Kong. And he said the minute he got to Hong Kong and, and, and showed it to Michael Hutchins, the, the lyrics were written within 10, 10 minutes. And that's just so typical of so many great songs is that they have a story like this behind it where there's some kind of inspiration or just kind of put something down real quick and then they revisit it later on and it just grows into this monster hit that everybody who follows the band and just music in general knows or identifies with this particular band and you know need you tonight is definitely one of those for an excess kind of makes you glad he didn't get into the cab and go to the airport and forget it exactly you know? i mean the guy had enough common sense of going there's something 
pretty big. I'm going to go and just leave this cab right here and go record. So <laughs> just that neuroticism that, you know, musicians have been tagged with as well. And just that, Oh no, 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 I gotta do this now. I gotta do this now. I gotta do this now. And like, mm-hmm. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Like the rest of us are like, eh, we kind of put things off and he's no, 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 no. You, you know, you get this inspiration, you get this line, you get this lyric, you get this vibe and you just want to kind of, capture it Mm -hmm. in the moment because it can be gone so quickly right but you know what's interesting about this album in um atlantic executives hated it they absolutely couldn't stand it when they when they heard it they didn't want to promote it they wanted to burn it um and throw it in the garbage um and i don't know who had said all this but afterwards I would hope that some of them would have either been reassigned or fired in some way because they offered the band how much money to redo it? One million dollars. That's insane. And this is 1987, so it's not like today where some people would just kind of, eh, or musicians would, eh, a million dollars. And obviously that's a substantial amount of money. But just to say, okay, we're going to give you this to go redo it Mm because we don't like it. And the band stuck to their guns. They were like, no, we know that this is better than that. And they again went back to the well with Chris Thomas, fine-tuned it, and they had the biggest album of their careers. Well, what's interesting is is the the guy that was the head of college radio promotion at Atlantic said, you know what, give it to me, I'll throw it on the college radio and see what they'll they'll promote it. They promoted Need You Tonight, and, and the rest is history, man. So, you know, you had these college radios stations like Waxy, 97X, you know, out, oh, yeah. out of Oxford, um, playing this music. And, you know, back then, in Cincinnati at least, it was an edgy radio station for us to tune into to hear the new music. And um, it definitely hit with us. And college radio has been lost over the years, unfortunately, with just the evolution of how people receive their music now, you know, but just again, just kind of that, ah, cutting edge Mm -hmm. and hearing different sounds and different bands and kind of thinking like, Ooh, you're part of the underground a little bit to hear hear these bands. So something like that is definitely something you can kind of make your mark, your personal mark with just by listening to them, let alone being a part of the band and following the band. It's funny about that station 97X, you know, it's in, it's in that movie Rain Man and, and all that 97X bam the future of rock and roll and you know it's funny Rolling Stone wrote an article I think it was in the late 90s and uh, they said the 10 the 10 radio stations in the country that don't suck (laughs) and uh, and, you know 97X was one of them which you know it's it's sad that what happened to it you know them going to the streaming bit and moving to Texas and kind of fading out but uh, great place for a a group like NXS to get this monster album started and that's where it started oh yeah and just like I said I listened to it this morning again and it's just it's it's killer oh man from the get go and you know I know you have an issue with the first song but um I love Guns in the Sky. I love Guns in the Sky, too. I don't have an issue with the song. I have an issue with where it's placed (laughs) within the album. So my mentality is, you know, you got to open with a banger Mm -hmm. every single time. You you don't want to go super crazy necessarily bust it out with a big hit but you got to get something somebody's attention you got to you know hook them in right away Mm -hmm. and guns in the sky does that but i think there's some other songs on there one other song in particular that does that a little more effectively but 
um, you know, I think kick would have been kick better start it. to kickstart it, literally. <laughs> and I know it's the name of the album and it's kind of yeah. cliche or whatever, but just that drum beat right off the get-go mm-hmm. and then kicking in with the horns and it's just that that grabs you. You know, yeah. it's that sometimes you kick, sometimes you get kicked and it's just that, oh, hey, you, that's right. I would agree with that. You know, I think Guns in the Sky would have been perfect as the last song on the first side, you know, to kind of end that way. It's such a short song, but it's it's solid. And it, it oh, okay. actually has one of my favorite lyrics out of all their songs, which is, uh, well, I'm sick of it. <laughs> it's a load of shit. You know, yeah. I, that, that, that line right there is, you know, as a, a freshman in high school listening to this and being like, yeah, yeah, you know, that, yeah, I want to, I want to yell this, you know, because I'm sick of it. You yeah. know, you're, you're at that point in your life where you're kind of like, yeah, I want to live the way I want to live. Exactly. You got people telling you, you, this is what you need to do. This is, you need to take these classes. You need to be involved in these activities. You need to be, you know, this is what, this is how you're going to be successful. Right. And in my case, I didn't have necessarily people telling me that, you know, I didn't have, my parents were saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. They kind of let me find my way, mm-hmm. you know, for good or for bad. But it was also just the opportunity to kind of explore a little bit and not realizing at the time. But it's also, you, this is where they start to get a little more political in some of their songs. But it's but it's subtle. It's, you, it's not out front. Right. And, but it is a little more angry than Listen Like Thieves. Oh, yeah. You know, Ooh, I mean. Definitely. And you can kind of get that with some, with songs like Guns in the Sky. Mm-hmm. You know, but even then, it's still that mentality of you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get, you know, told no, you're going to fail. Right. You know, but you got to get back up because what's what what do you get by just staying down and being defeated? Right. And they're making a statement. They're making a statement of, you know, you're going to have to pick eventually, um, you know, with mediate. You know, they 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 got they they kind of took on the whole Bob Dylan um, subterranean homesick blues video idea, and and they they said that they're basically saying, you know what, you're eventually one day you're going to have to, you know, pick a side. They, they they and that's what they're doing. They're getting a little bit more angry about what's going on. They're letting their vo- they're they're sharing their voice. Yeah, and that's kind of what happens musically now. Anyway, you know, we don't realize the time. It's just people it used to just be fun little songs about stories and tales and then it has evolved over the years and now while there's still some of that there's also these personal experiences that people meld into their songs that just makes them so applicable to us and that resonates with us in a variety of ways that we connect to it and you know these artists and everything else but kick is kick is fantastic you know as again i'm listening to it and all these lyrics just come rushing back to my head and i mm-hmm. haven't listened to it in maybe 15 years and it just probably longer really and it just was all like i was in junior high yeah. again and i was in high school again and there it is and you know i'm walking through the halls with my tight rolled pants and and, and and that's it man i mean the high school someone um you know had exactly um a guy i went to high school with eric he mentioned um 
you know, how this album just brought back his freshman year and your freedom of getting your driver's license. And that was me, you know, getting your freedom of your driver's license, listening at listening to it at the swim club, which, you know, in future episodes, um, you're going to realize the swim club really influenced my taste of music because we had this huge PA, this huge speaker hanging out on this pole in the middle of the pool, you know, on the deck. And you can, you know, if you need an announcements of a burger that was up at the a snack shack or, you know, the music of the day of the radio, they just played the radio in the office and pressed the, the, the intercom button and just let it play through the, the whole, the whole neighborhood could hear the songs of the day through Brentwood Swim Club. It's yeah. classic. And then whether it was some place like that or like the roller rink or a local dance hall or, you know, drive around the car, you know, right. it's, it's, we all got our music in a variety of different ways in the 80s and mm-hmm. it's just so I, I can't even think of a word but it's just just random right at times Very to where random. you would hear these songs and, yeah. they, they, and they stick with us and whether it's like at a party or you're at a friend's house and a older sibling has yeah. something you know whether it's something very akin to high fidelity or or like Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, where just the music just res, just uh, you identify with it. You just can't help but not love the music, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the epitome of the very end when spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, um, sit down and he goes, you know, they're doing an interview and he goes, "What do you love about music?" And Billy Crudup's character leans in. He goes, "For starters." everything (laughs) and that's kind of I think what majority of us relate to is just we just relate to everything about music everything Mm -hmm. and we just imbibe it as much as we can Um, to me this is an album you put you you put on and you listen to all the way through front and back you don't even you don't even pick the needle up on the on the songs you don't like as much. You just you, which there aren't many. No, and uh, it's a great album to put on and, and, and get stuff done and just just get lost in a drive. You know, um, you, one of one of my favorites, start to finish, definitely. Call me a sucker for the hits, I know, but that is what that they've proven to be is hits. You know, yes, listen like thieves is a solid album. Any group would kill for one album like it, but Kick still brings back those memories, you know, and I think that's what's important. Absolutely. And I think what sets it apart, like I said, you know, I was listening like Dave's guy from the beginning and then I listened to Kick and I realized, oh yeah, this is really good, Mm -hmm. is the, is the non-hits and that you identify with. And I think I had majority of those on, I mean, on both, but it just seemed like, oh yeah, it's just every song that kept coming on. Yeah, this is a good yeah. song. Yeah, this is a good song. Yeah, this is a good song. Well, that's just it. Both both albums have eight solid hits. If you listen to both of them, I mean, oh, there's, yeah. th- that I love. But Kick still brings back those memories, and you know, and you know, when you're on the fringe of discovery, you know, into your freshman year, it, it brings back, you know, those memories of of that and driving around in the pool and. It, it kick was everywhere, you know, with songs like The Devil Inside and Wildlife. It made you want to be wild and take chances and explore. Exactly. You know, that's what gives it the advantage in my mind is it 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 hit at the perfect time in my life. Yeah, it's mainstream. Play it on pop radio. Maybe that's what gives it. It's give it a bad gives it a bad name in some circles. You know, I don't know. But, you know, you need to remember you know, it may be mainstream, but it got its roots in college radio. Yeah. And it's it's mainstream, but it's mainstream because it's good. It's not mainstream because it's kitschy, because it's choreographed, because 
you know, it's a band that was thrown together. You know, these are guys who knew each other, who came up, mm-hmm. who did music the old school way. And they created and they, you know, stuck together, believed in themselves. And while they probably had their issues, they weren't publicized. There wasn't a lot of infighting in the band. There wasn't, you know, negative publicity about them at all. Mm-hmm. And they're just this group from Australia. And it's like, oh, Australia. And for whatever reason, I just thought Australia was the coolest place in the world, well, and I always wanted to go there. Vegemite. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank and, you, Men at Work. And whether it was Men at Work or even Midnight Oil for a little bit, you know, but Men at mm-hmm. Work was definitely our first exposure to it, but then NXS kind of took it to that nth degree, yeah. and they just, they, they crushed it. Yep, they, they just did. absolutely you know, crushed it with this album. But in the, in, the, in the end, people like things for different reasons. Some for the lyrics, some like me for the beat and the riffs that bring bring you into a, the sound of a song. You know, Kick had more attitude and competence to me than Listen Like Thieves. Plus, yeah. I just got my driver's license and was constantly tuning into the radio in that brown 82 hatch, hatchback Mustang. You yeah. know? So it, to me... Um, it, it, it wins. Yeah. And, and it, it always will. And I think it is. It's like in right very get go. And even though I didn't like Guns as the Skies, the intro, it definitely gives you that attitude right away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of everything. You know, I'm doing this my way. And it is exemplified with the fact that the studio wanted them to redo the entire album, mm-hmm. their biggest hit of their life. And there are people who are quote unquote executives or experts musically who are like, yeah, no, we want you to redo it. Yeah. Like that just, just totally goes against or it's, you know, it's pretty typical uh, for the most part of what some people would expect in the music industry. Right. You know, um, so one of our big things is that we want to include is if we went to their concert. Um, I did not, unfortunately. You did not, unfortunately. Fortunately, I did. And um, Lucky dog. It was um, the summer of 88, you know, that, that summer at the end, August 28th. I actually found my concert ticket, which is uh, awesome. I still have it. I'm a big ticket keeper. I have all my tickets yeah. somewhere in the shoeboxes. Yeah, and or... I, I, I found it. We're in the process of moving, and uh, I found that. I still found it. Um, I couldn't find the exact set list from that night in Cincinnati, but I did find uh, the set list from Madison Square Garden Gardens a couple weeks before. And uh, they kicked off the concert with "What You Need," of course. And uh, the first kick album, the first song they played off a of kick was "Guns in the Sky." And they basically they played the entire kick album in that concert, but they interspersed songs from you know "Shabu Shabu Shaba," and they um, they listened like thieves. They they put some songs in from that. They ended the show with a three song encore, "Never Tears Apart," "The Swing," and "Don't Change." And the warm up band. Ziggy Marley Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers Nice Tomorrow people Little mellow before you hit on with NXS But here's the thing about that You know I saw that at Riverfront Coliseum And I saw it it Someone um, Andrew A guy from high school posted You know Everyone from Finneytown was there that night you know what? It did feel like everyone from Finneytown was there that night, you know? And I, I just remember the people that were sitting near me, kept my buddy Kevin and uh, Ginny and uh, Angela, and it was just a, a wonderful time. But I realized something in the middle of that concert was this is a, this Michael Hutchins is like Beatlesque. The the screams and the the odds that, that went after him was just uh, unmatched. And I felt like, man, what what an amazing, this guy's amazing, an amazing front man, you know? This 
this is so cool. And I didn't realize how special that was to be at an NXS concert, the kick, the, their biggest album until now, you know, I'm sitting here now talking to them. I'm like, yeah. And you know, I've been preparing for this for a week. I'm like, that was a pretty big night. You know, I've had, you know, social media, I posted that picture of my daughter, you make choose. And people were like, you know, kick, 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 you know, and putting comments and memories in. And I'm like, man, that was a big night. Yeah. And in like most of our musical experience, our concert experiences at that time were big because, you know, we just, we had limited access to money. Not that, you know, kids today have a little bit more or whatever, but it was like, you had to kind of pick and choose what you're going to spend your money on. Right. Musically. And it was, I don't know how many times I was walking around Camelot Music in Merrillville at the, at the mall and I had this tape or this CD and then I put it back and I grab it or mm-hmm. whatever because like I, I've got 50 bucks and that's all I've got for I don't know how long before I can start cutting grass and mowing lawns again right. or raking leaves or doing whatever. And it's like, eh, well, um, same with tickets, you know, and concerts. And you kind of, you'd scrounge together what you could, but it was always like you'd go with your buddies, you'd go with your friends. It wasn't like you'd go with a couple people. It was like a group of five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, and from the variety of different concerts that we'll probably get into later on with some of these future episodes, but it is, it's that experience, you know, I can't wait to get into some uh, bands that I've, I've finally seen and kind of mm-hmm. relate my experiences to, but you know, if you haven't seen In Excess, you know, they have that live album, uh, Live Baby Live, that I also listened to earlier today, which sounds great. Mm-hmm. And they sounded just like they do on their albums. So you yeah. can tell it's not overproduced. You know, there's definitely some bands that you'll hear live and go, oh, this is not good. Right. And it's just, you know, they're, they're a studio band. They're not a live band. Um, but well, they were a live band. But live is was phenomenal. Yeah. And Michael Hutchins' voice sounds just as perfect in, in concert mm-hmm. as it does in the studio. So that's obviously a, a kudos yeah. for them. So, you know, the, the band came and came through with their big album and, you know, a couple of years later in 1990, they put out their X album and it did, it did have some good hits. It had Suicide Blonde. I love that funky beat with the harmonica. Um, it had uh, Disappear and Bitter Tears. But, you know, as I got older, I was getting into college and, you know, I think the grunge was moving in and, oh, yeah. you know, taste and music was shifting. Yeah. It just didn't get as my attention as, you know, the rest of their albums did. Um I do, uh, I think I will eventually buy the X album, I, you know, what I've been listening to lately and, and, and catching up on it, I probably will eventually add it to, to my collection. Yeah, and I'm the exact same way, you know, you go into college and it's like, what are the different influences and grunge comes in and it's like, oh, I want to kind of not necessarily fit in, but you identify with it. So that's where, you know, we went. Some people went the opposite and went a little bit less alternative, whether it was R.E.M., um, in different bands, but you know, definitely Bitter Tears was one of the songs I still identify with. Um, and I'd same exact same way, you know, I don't have the X album, but after kind of revisiting in excess these past few days, it's definitely something I'm gonna look into more and kind of take a look at because they're so good and it's just something that you want to share with whether it's your significant other or your family or friends or whatever and it's just like oh yeah I forget and 
these that's that's the beauty of all this it mm-hmm. takes and this doesn't take you just doesn't take you back to that time when you first discovered them but you get to rediscover them right. over and over and, that, and over and that's and that's what's awesome about you know this and music is you constantly rediscovering and you know we'll have f- future episodes when we talk about music that you know I just maybe just discovered you know and um, and, and, and talk a little bit more in depth about that and they pro- they probably will be shorter episodes but you know when you're talking about something that was a part of your lives I mean these episodes are longer but uh, it, there's a lot to talk about definitely oh yeah because we each have our own exposure and our own time mm-hmm. frame so we each bring our own unique experiences right. to it and it's just like everybody out there listening it's just you know hopefully you're reflecting back on these times too and thinking like oh you know and the people you were with if you saw them in concert or the moments that right. you had or the parties or the whoever else and then you know it's an opportunity to kind of like hey remember when or right. reconnect with someone too and, and, and listen looking at those social media posts you know everyone that was choosing kick was everyone that's my, our age you know everyone exactly. that grew up with it and had those experiences i asked um my daughter and her friend that were doing some errands yesterday said listen go to your phone and, and play those two albums and, and go through them and tell me what you think as you're driving around which one you like the better and they came in they both looked at me they go now what's the other one that's not kick and you know, I was like, "Listen, like these, like, that's the one we like." I was like, oh, "Seriously, you know, you know." But these are two, not, you know, eighteen-year-olds that you know have a different year and you know have a different experience and and what their background is, and which makes it kind of cool. Exactly, and it's there's no right or wrong answer. There is no right or wrong answer. It's Absolutely just not. it's just why, right. and that's and that's the beauty. And then you know, and being a teacher, that's what I've always told majority of my students is just you know. There's no right or wrong answer. Just explain to me why you like what you right. like. I agree. Well, we want to thank all of our, our listeners. Um, we're going to wrap this up. It's been great. Thank you so much for following us on social media at The Music That Makes Us, Instagram and Facebook. We'll continue posting things. Uh, we encourage you to share your stories, maybe even suggest episodes you might want to hear um, for The Music That Makes Us. I'm Randy T. And I'm Donnie Z. And we will see you next time on The Music That Makes Us. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.